0: My topic today, as I continue in my series on gifts, is recognizing your motivational gift. What this is about is coming now to the nitty-gritty of knowing who you are and learning to be yourself. In fact, that's the take-home message today. Know yourself and be yourself. How that relates to the gifts that God has given you. Now, the series is entitled whole series is entitled spiritual giftedness and the kingdom of god we've seen how that when you exercise your spiritual gift the kingdom comes and that's remarkable it really is that simple the kingdom of god is all about giving and receiving that's how the kingdom comes by giving and receiving giving god giving his gift his son us receiving Him, God giving us gifts and passing them on and receiving. So as you exercise your gift, the kingdom comes. Now what I've been really at pains to point out is that that's not just a church thing. Here today, I'm exercising a spiritual gift of preaching and teaching, and uh, I know that according to God's Word, as I do that in the Spirit, the kingdom is coming. What about tomorrow? What about your gift? Are gifts only for the church building and church meetings? Or is the meeting place the learning place for the marketplace? So tomorrow as you go out, you need to be who you are. You need to know who you are and be who you are. Because as you exercise your gifts, which is in accordance with what God has given you and made you, you will make an impact out there in the world and the kingdom will come. We also saw how that when we uh, our gift is, is tied to our identity... Our gift is related to our identity in Christ. So you don't have to pretend to be what you are not. You don't have to try and do something that you're uncomfortable with. When you are flowing in your gifts, you are totally comfortable because you are being who you are. And today I'm going to stress this principle that you need to know yourself and be yourself. So let's go to the passage that we're dealing with. Ephesians chapter 4, we've been looking at other verses, now we come to verses 11 and 12, and next week, in the final message, I'll be showing you how your gift can really flourish outside of the walls of church buildings, outside even of church networks, into your daily life out there in the world, the marketplace. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. When we talk about the body of Christ, we see immediately that it's God's agent in this world. We are Jesus' body, how he functions in this world is through us, his body, in the same way that's the way you function in this world, through your your body. We've seen this variety of gifts and callings here. Let's mention them again, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And you need to know who you are, where you fit in this collection and variety of gift mixes, and therefore how you can effectively function not just in the body of Christ, but also through the body of Christ into the world. Knowing who you are, knowing what your gift is, knowing what your ability is, is very, very important. I've got a couple of examples of that that you may be aware of. If you are an opera uh, fa- fanatic or a person who loves opera, you'll have heard of Joan Sutherland, uh, a lady from Australia. She passed away not so very long ago. She was known as La Stupenda meaning she was just such a brilliant, brilliant singer, and uh, she was a mezzo-soprano, and uh, that is a mid-range soprano, and not always going for those very, very, very high notes, and she wanted to flourish as a Wagnerian singer, this dramatic female lead, and she did very well in that area, and uh, until one day when she met her husband and got to know him a little bit. He was also involved in, uh, this, uh, in the music business and uh, his name was uh, Richard Bourgoin, and he, he was a conductor and, and, and a pianist and he began to explore her voice and uh, the advantage for him was that Joan Sutherland did not have perfect pitch. I thought all opera singers had perfect pitch, not unlike you know, our own Fabio, who has got perfect pitch, are a music director. And, uh, but she didn't. So he could trick her into singing higher than she thought she was. And that's what he did. And, and then he came to her and he said, you know, you have a voice which is extraordinary, as well as being this big, strong, dramatic, mezzo-soprano voice, you have the ability, ability to sing with lots of coloratura, that's an Italian phrase from the word color, coloratura. And what that is, is a certain style of virtuoso singing which plays with the very high notes. It's the vocal equivalent of the instrumental ornamentation, the trills and the, and the ornaments of, of very high notes. So if you're totally unaware of the operatic world, I'll uh, just say this is the kind of canary voice. I'm not going to demonstrate because <laughs> I can't. It's that kind of trill. trill- and sh- therefore, her career changed as she began to sing Italian bel canto opera and she became incredibly famous for that. And her, her album, which released two of the, two, uh, uh, two volume album, two set album, for that style and she became world famous. And she flourished when she discovered who she was. And her husband helped her. Thank God there are people close to us that can help us. Now, another one, I'm going to go to... The to the other extreme now. I'm gonna talk about football because I know that will catch the opera singers, of course, somebody. Uh, The Arsenal manager, Arsene Wegner, a very, very uh, successful um, um, manager, um, managed uh, some time ago to purchase a remarkable football player, Thierry Henry, from the Italian club Juventus. Thierry Henry uh, is a, a Frenchman, And uh, when he was playing in Juventus, he was playing on the wing. He had a lot of pace, uh, but he wasn't playing to his best advantage. But when Arsene Wenger got him to join Arsenal, um, it was a million pound transfer fee, anyway, uh, 11 million pound. It was in 1999. Uh, Henri became Arsenal's top goal scorer. In fact, he scored 228 goals in all his competitions. 228 goals, and is to this day Arsenal's top scorer. Why? Because Arsene Wenger put him center front and played him in a different position. That, together with how the rest of the team was managed and playing, turned this man's gifts into something extraordinary. So it matters where you are positioned in life and maybe you're playing in the wrong position. Maybe there's gifts in you that if you just change your position will come out, you need to know who you are and be around people who explore who you are because when we learn who we are, and often that will come out of your church relationships. I'm gonna speak more about that in a moment. Don't think that you have to choose between flourishing in the body of Christ and flourishing in the marketplace. God wants you to flourish in both places. Because the meeting place is the learning place for the marketplace. Jesus sent his disciples out into the marketplace so that the marketplace could come to know him. Our mission and ministry is out there. So let's have a look at how these gifts operate and some facts about them. First of all, did you notice that when we read it in the uh, New Living Translation, that the emphasis was on people? Did you notice that? These are the gifts... Christ gave to the church, and who are these? These are the apostles, people with an apostolic ability. These are the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. So we're talking about people. We're not just talking about an ability, we're talking about people because you are your gift. Did you know that? You are your gift, God has made you in this motivational gifting. He's made you a certain way. He's given you a certain distinguishing capacity which can be categorized in any of the five that I've just mentioned and a mixture of them. You have a distinguishing capacity which is in you by birth. It is a characteristic flair, it is a distinctive way of being, a distinctive way of doing, and a distinctive way of relating in life which flows out of who you are in Christ. I think that's wonderful because when I talk about motivational gifting, I'm not just talking about perhaps an ability to sing or an ability to play football. I'm talking about something deeper in your personality that was put together in your mother's womb and even before that in the purpose of God. And that will so define who you are that you will never be fulfilled or flourish until you know who you are and begin to be who you are. Know yourself and be yourself. This is how you tick this is how you function. And in fact, you don't even necessarily recognize it as a gift. You just do what you do. Amen. Just do what you do. I reckon Arsene Wegner said to, to Thierry uh, uh, Henry, just get in that position and do what you do. We'll take care of the rest. Amen and amen. So, God wants you to know who you are, how you tick, how you function, what makes you function. And this is the motivation of the whole of your life. This is the direction of the whole of your life. A motivational gift, it's so important that you recognize it, you develop it, and you master it. Next thing we notice is there are different gifts. They're not all apostles. They're not all prophets, but there are the prophets, the apostles, the pastors, the evangelists, and the teachers. These are different gifts, a variety of gifts, and yet they are complementary. They go together. They go together. A book that has influenced me recently is entitled The Permanent Revolution by two gentlemen by the name of Hirsch and him. And uh, this is how they describe what I've just said. They describe this as distributed intelligence in the body of Christ. So we've got to start thinking about these gifts in other than kind of churchy sort of language. Your evangelist, Reiner, Bonke, Billy Graham, anybody else's name beginning with B. Apostle, usually people are dead and have been promoted after, after death into some kind of position. No, 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 no. This is everyday gifting and ability, and in this house today, sitting in front of me, are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All of you are some of these things, and all of us are all of these things in some sense. So this is about how we see the ability of Christ, the intelligence of Christ, distributed throughout his body. And by intelligence, I just don't mean IQ. I mean know-how. To be in a situation that somebody needs Jesus and an evangelist is there, that evangelist knows how what to do and how to go about it. So it's knowing how, knowing what you have to do and being ready to do it. And this is the intelligence. All the gifts of Christ are distributed throughout the body of Christ. He had them all and we need them all and the gifts need each other. Can you imagine if we were all evangelists and there wasn't a pastor in the house? Those people would be getting saved every Sunday and they would never grow in disciple as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Next thing I want you to understand is that these gifts are primarily membership gifts. They're not primarily leadership gifts. Now if you followed this kind of teaching before, you might be very surprised at that statement. But when I study Ephesians 4 afresh, I don't see Paul speaking in a leader's seminar. He is addressing the whole body of Christ... And he says in verse seven, for to each one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. To each one of us, then he lists them. And we've seen the big five, the big five categories. So you are in that mix. And it's not primarily a leadership passage. Leadership is here, and I'll show you where it comes in. But it's primarily a passage to every one of us as believers. As a believer, you have been gifted with these gifts and some uh, uh, emphasis in your life where one of the gifts is perhaps more prominent than the others. Again, in that book, The Permanent Revolution, they make this statement, which I love. It says, this is a church where everybody gets to play. Now, church is not just where everybody gets to You've done that already. It's called tithes and offerings. It's a church where everybody gets to play. In other words, you're never benched. There's no, there's no spectators. There's nobody in the grandstand. We're all on the field. We're all in the arena. We're all on the pitch. Amen and amen. You are not a redundant member of the body of Christ. And still less is this about you having to sit still and be passive in church services and do nothing but listen to other people talking to you. Now, there is an opportunity for that today. Please continue to listen. And this is a context where an exercise of a spiritual gift can help you and equip you to go from this place and be who you are out there. But it's not just about these big services. That's why we have a structure and a strategy in the church called the cell strategy. And you will see, and I hope you will see today how important it is for you to be part of a small group where your gifts can be recognized and you can begin to flourish. And your destiny and purpose of, for Christ in your life in the wider world depends on you first developing your gift, having discovered it within the context of the body of Christ. It's so important that you understand that. See, some people say, well, you are called to the body, Colin. And yes, I, Yes, I am. I mean, I rebel against it a little bit b- because I like to be out there in the marketplace and so I do certain projects. I'm a dive instructor. I'm a music producer. Where, where's, where's Fabio? Uh, alongside Fabio, I do a lot of stuff in the marketplace because I just love being out there. And if I'm not working out there in some kind of role because my, my job is, is, is doing what I'm doing now, I'll sit in the bars and the cafes and I'll talk to people and I'll get to know people. I want to impact my generation for Jesus. So don't think it's about us being stuck on platforms and in pulpits and you out there in the world are thinking that we are the special people and you are the ordinary Christians. No, no, no. We're in this together. There is no such thing as a distinction between the clergy and the laity. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Shall I say it more plainly? It's not in the Bible. In fact, I want to quote, I'll just turn to this. I want to quote... A a, a person who is often quoted in this whole area, Howard Snyder, who is a missiologist. This is what he says about that lie. That there is a distinction between those who are super spiritual, those who have these gifts of apostleship and all the rest of it, and the other ordinary believers who've got to sit and listen and are passive in the body of Christ, the clergy and the laity. It does not exist. It's not in the New Testament. It's an Old Testament principle. We are all kings and priests in the body of Christ. We all have a ministry. We are all in the ministry. And the meeting place is the learning place for the marketplace. I've just got one more slogan which we use a lot here. Your occupation is the location for your true vocation. Your occupation is the location for your true vocation. Those are are all our our kind of sayings that we use here. But let me get back to Howard Snyder. And he says, The clergy-laity divide is one of the principal obstacles to the church effectively being God's agent of the kingdom today. Because it creates a false idea that only holy men, and I would say women as well, namely ordained ministers, only those are really qualified and responsible for leadership and significant ministry. That's a lie. It's not the case. Every member has been given these gifts, and we need to discover them and move into them and be effective in them, first in the meeting place and then, of course, in the marketplace. Now, you will discover... That while you have these tendencies, maybe more than one, there are, there's a dominant tendency, a dominant area of your life which is, can be defined in one of those five ways. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And you might say, well, it still sounds very churchy, Colin, but I'll keep on listening. But anyway, it also sounds extremely narrow. I am a company director. How can you say I'm one of those other things? You know, I'm, I, I, And they find it very, very restricting. Every one of us is one of these five? Well, no, not really. Maybe one of those gifts are going to be more prominent in you But the other gifts will be manifesting as well, and just on the law of statistics, if you took all the combinations that are possible with any combination of these five, you will have 120 different possibilities. So it's not just five narrow gifts, there are five broad gifts which can be mixed together so to give at least 120 different possibilities. A person who is strongly prophetic but also teaching, a person who is strongly evangelistic but also apostolic. All these things can be mixed together, but even then you haven't found your uniqueness. Because even then, 120 gifts or gift mixes is still quite small when we think of the billions of people who are alive on the planet. So, your unique blend of gifting is mixed with other elements concerning who you are. Your personality will make your gifting totally unique. Not just your personality, but also your history, your background, your education, everything that God has allowed to come into your life is turned towards shaping you to be the person you are and that will shape your gifting and therefore your gifting will be absolutely, totally unique, hallelujah. Give Jesus a big praise. Now, did you notice when I read in the New King James Version Ephesians 4, verse 7, let's say it again. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, that word is very important. And that's where leadership comes in. We all have a similar mix of giftings, or at least have gifts which are taken from the same list and applies to all of us, but not all in the same measure. And it stands to reason that some are going to be gifted with a bigger measure than others. And there can be no jealousy as a result of that because your responsibility is not to sing like a musician if you're not a singer, a musician, or to preach like Bonke if you're not Reinhard Bonke. You function according to the measure that God has given to you. And I know, that's a wonderful release for me, because wherever I go, there are people who are better than me at many of the things I do. But that's not an issue. I need to be the best I can be for Jesus. The best I can be for Jesus. And I'm not trying to make you like me. I, my, my goal is not to make you like me. I know I have something that you do not have. If God has given it to me for you, then he's given me something that you need. But it works two ways. You have something that I need. And when we share together, we just express who we are according to the measure. Now, here's the leadership principle, because I'm sure it's important to some of you to identify it. And that is, if you have a very large measure of gifting, most likely you will rise to leadership. Isn't that right? So if you have a high level of preaching and communication, then you're more likely to be used by God to preach before larger numbers of people. If you have a high level of pastoral gifting or governmental gifting, you are more likely to be used by God in a leadership role and the members of the body of Christ will acknowledge that. But really, a a leader is just somebody who's got a little bit more of it than you have. Alright, that's all it is. If you lead one another, you've got something right there and then that's a little bit more than the other person. And in humility, you share it with them and they share what they have for you. But in that way, we all find our level and the leadership gifts operate and function. Amen and amen. All right, are we okay so far? Let's take a breath, and we come now to some very significant means by which we can identify what these gifts are and how they work in our lives and and who we are, to know who we are so we can be ourselves. A key principle of this series, and next week when I conclude it, I'll talk more about being effective in the marketplace and show you how that operates. But these gifts, first of all, are to operate within the church. Did you not see that when I read, to each one of us, grace has been given toward the measure of gift of Christ. We've all got it. And then when it comes to verse 11, it says, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So our first sphere of influence and ministry is to one another in the body of Christ. That's why we have a cell ministry. Hook up with that small group because you will begin to discover who you are. If you want to be a successful company director, learn to be a good cell leader. And that's not like if you are faithful and small, God will make you faithful. He bless you in much, of course he will, but it's the principle of your gifting being acknowledged and recognized and developed within its primary context. The first context is the body of Christ. If you are not ministering within the body of Christ, do not expect to flourish and be blessed in the marketplace. Strong statement, I know, but think about it. So how does this work? First of all, these gifts are given that we might build one another up. Disciple one another, encourage one another, bless one another, counsel one another, confront one another, strengthen one another. Why? Why is that? So that the body of Christ can grow and be strong. And if you're a company director or whatever you are out there in the wider world, write down at the top of your agenda: I am a church builder. Write that down at the top. That's who God has called me to be. I'm a church builder. Don't just attend services. Bring people with you. Don't just listen to sermons. Preach them. Don't just be reached by the Spirit of God. Reach others through the Spirit of God. You are called to be a church builder. Your gift will be acknowledged and recognized and developed, first of all, in the context of building one another up. This is your calling as a Christian, primarily, even if you are the Prime Minister of Great Britain. Amen. Even if you are the Queen of England, God says, this is your first call. Bless your brothers and sisters. Amen and amen. All right, now then, look what happens, just imagine it. So we have people ministering together, building one another up, and something happens. The church begins to grow to maturity. We begin to stand together as a cohesive community, an identifiable community with kingdom values, with kingdom authority, and that's how we can begin to function together in the world. That's the destination of the gift. The gift begins in the church, given to the church, so the church can be strong, so that together we can take our place in the wider community and be the body of Christ, God's kingdom agents in the world, individually and together. Let's have a little look at how these operate. And uh, I'm trying to demystify these things for you. Because apostles, usually there's posthumous, that person was a great apostle, we, we said that after they're dead. We need to recognize the ones that are alive, not just the ones who are dead. And, but what does it mean? Some great church leader? Well, that, that's part of it. But it begins understanding that the apostles have a gift of being able to step out. Step out of the ordinary, step out of the norm, break barriers, cut new ground, initiators, pioneers. Just think of your own area. We've got all the giants, and we're working through the giant ministry where we categorize different areas of society. What's the next giant on the list? Let me know. Law and order. We've got the law law and order. We've got health and medicine. We've got sports and recreation. We've got uh, media and arts. We've got all those things. Science, technology, all of those areas. Now just think of your area. Think of your area can you think of people who have formed and shaped that area because they stepped out of the ordinary and broke some barriers and became game changers in your own sphere of, 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 of society. That's apostolic. Now I'm not saying that those people, if they're not Christians, I'm not saying that God used them in the fullness of their gift. No, you need to be born again to recognize your gift. You need to be saved and washed in the blood of Jesus before you, you need to be spirit filled before you can really function in who you are. But even in the world today, we see people who've got inklings of the gifts that if they got saved, wow, how amazing they would be. And their gift would be taken to higher levels That's why we function out there in the marketplace. The apostles are those who take initiative. They are the initiators. They step out. The prophets are those who have visions. They are visionary. And they speak out. They speak out. Every company should have a prophet to uphold ethical standards and values in that company. Ethical trading today is a vital part of our world economy. And the church of Jesus Christ can lead the way. Amen and amen. They speak out. Evangelists, they reach out. They are the connectors and communicators. Even at a level of business and industry, we need people who are communicators, people who are connectors. And that's who evangelists are. Of course, they do it in and through the church to reach people for Jesus, but that gift of communication is a blessing way beyond the simple parameters of the gospel. And so pastors, who are those? Those who, are, who care for others, We have in businesses, we have in companies, we have in politics, we have in every organization, including education, this whole move towards pastoral care. Where did that come from? That came from the Bible. There are people here today who are involved in pastoral care in their company, taking care of one another. This is the gift of Jesus and it's there in people who are called pastors, and even before you know Jesus, that stuff will be working on the inside of you. How much better to recognize who you are, follower of Jesus, the great shepherd, and that pastoral care ministry to be released under the anointing of the Spirit of God. And what about teachers? They are those who are the instructors, those who help understanding, help work everything out. Let's go through it again. Apostles, they are those who step out, Prophets, they speak out. Evangelists, they reach out. Pastors, they help out. And teachers, well, they work it all out. Okay, and thank God for them as well. So you can see how that your gift, as it begins to function in the body of Christ, will equip both you and your neighbor to be more effective in the marketplace. Now, I've emailed out to each of the cell leaders not only the discussion notes based on today's topic, we're going to be looking at know yourself and be yourself, but also in those notes, there is a spiritual discovery gifts chart, which I borrowed from CWR and I have permission to use it, in which we identify lots of different gifts pastoral gifts, teaching, preaching, evangelism, admin, healing, practical help, uh, society, leadership, apostleship, prophecy, miracles, and youth. And just do this questionnaire. It's not infallible, but when you do this questionnaire, there are 52 questions to ask uh, that you will be asked or you ask. Fill them in honestly and you see how you score. You will be pretty clear, pretty clear. It's a good indication of what's working on the inside of you. And that's what I want you to look at and to discuss. Because you need to know who you are to be yourself. You have to know yourself. I want to show you now, I'm going to talk about Amy Semple McPherson. And she was a woman who was never used in business or commerce or industry, but she was so ahead of the game in her presentations in Los Angeles that Hollywood came to see what she was doing. Songs were written about her, Amy Semple McPherson, and what we do not know about her is that she was the biggest social reformer of her generation. The biggest social reformer. She changed the face of the marketplace forever. How? Through a simple evangelistic campaign that took place in Rochester, United States of America, in 1921. Now, for her, Rochester was not a very easy place. She was highly criticized for her healing ministry. But she preached so powerfully and there were people, a lot of business people attached themselves to her and became her supporters and then on November the 21st, 1921, she got these people together in a hotel for lunch at midday in Rochester, the Seneca Hotel and there were three speakers of people who were drawn from society and the last speaker, he owned a Can Factory, the Rochester Can Factory. And uh, they made a hundred different styles of metal uh, products, and he was a very successful business person. And as he was speaking, his name was Mr. Gray, Malcolm Gray, as he was speaking he was appreciating Amy's ministry and how much Amy had touched his life. Amy Semple Macpherson was contemporary of our founder George Jeffries and her denomination she founded was the Foursquare Church and our denomination is called the Elam Foursquare Gospel Alliance, so very much similar kind of period of time and a similar kind of ministries. And he appreciated Amy's ministry and said, would you please come to speak to the men in my factory? Speak on this topic, on their need for Christ, for Christ to be in their lives so they might become better citizens, might have better homes and do better business. See, he was concerned not just about their spiritual welfare, he was concerned about their social welfare because every true move of God is a reforming move. Now, Amy was not involved in business in that kind of way, but she preached to these people, and he was so impressed, Malcolm Gray, that a month later, sitting around the Christmas dinner table, a thought came to him, and he shared with his family. He said, Amy has blessed us so much, and I have so much compassion on my workers. She was so powerfully used when she came. I want to bless them, and you know what I'm going to do? Instead of asking them to work, which was standard Working hours of the day and generation, six days a week, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., six days a week. And that's why so, so many people are suffering in their spiritual lives. They couldn't get involved in church activities. They were just too busy and tired. And he said, I'm going to give them five days. Five days. January the 2nd, it was implemented. This news went round America until finally Henry Ford of the newly Uh, formed company, uh, motor car car construction company and Henry Ford visited. He was particularly interested because he'd heard that conditions had improved and productivity was very high and morale was high. So he was saying, how is it therefore that I can introduce this same thing? And he saw it and he introduced the five day working week in his factory. All of America took notice and soon it became the industry norm five days a week which spread throughout the whole of Western society. One woman in the right place at the right time in her apostolic anointing affected the whole of our society forever. Isn't that amazing? That's how the gifts operate in your life. Give Jesus a big praise. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be released upon every person under the sound of my voice right now. First of all, that spirit of wisdom and revelation might be released that they may know Jesus better than ever before. And also that in knowing Jesus better, they'll get to know themselves better and who Jesus has made them and who they really are. Father, I pray for a revelation that people get to know themselves and learn to be themselves according to the gifts and abilities that you've given them. That they may flourish first amongst the body of believers, but secondly, join to the body being Christ's representative in the marketplace, in the places of influence, in the homes, in the families, in the schools, in the neighborhoods, in the societies, in the committees, in the companies, in the schools, in the colleges, every area of society. Populated by Bible-believing Christians, full of fire, knowing who they are and expressing who Jesus is in their lives in the marketplace. What a revolution. What a reformation that can take place. Stir up our hearts, we pray. Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be upon every person under the sound of my voice. I pray that they will see who they are. And I pray, Father, right now that you would release the anointing of positioning and repositioning the anointing of positioning and repositioning. Father, I pray, would you move your Thierry Henrys? Will you move them from the sidelines into the front line? Lord, will will you open the eyes of your spiritual Joan Sutherlands that they may function at a higher level than they thought was possible? Do what only you can do position and reposition. Father, let a shaking come about, a shaking that is based on the move of God, that men and women in their places of employment will be recognized for the gift that is in them. Let that gift shine. And even from this very house, let promotion come forth. I see this so clearly, 11 o'clock service. I see people have got gifts on the inside of them. Maybe you don't even know about them. Maybe you do. But your colleagues and those around you haven't recognized it. I'm going to pray that God will open their eyes, that they may see you for who you are, the benefit you can be, the blessing you can bring, and your spiritual authority, and your spiritual giftedness, and how that can be an advantage to that area of your work. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Father, I lift up to you these spiritually talented, blessed, anointed, and gifted people before me. If you believe that about yourself, say amen. amen. And I pray for the spirit of revelation to hit amen. the people who are supervising these, the people who are colleagues of these the people who stand beside them the people who are above them and even the people who are below them in work hierarchy I pray in the name of Jesus that their gift will shine I pray that their gift will be released and become evident and as a result of that promotion and blessing and spiritual authority will flow and good things flow Pray for those people, Father, who are ignorantly placed in positions of influence. When I say ignorant, I mean they just don't know how key and crucial they are. And even in the silence, you are using them. And Lord God, show them their potential of the change and the difference they can make in and through the house of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give Jesus a mighty praise.